We were married to sin. It abused us, abandoned us, and we were left with nothing. But Christ, the pure groom, has redeemed us and will provide all that we need in this life and the next. Hello everyone, I'm so glad that you're joining me on this Monday morning or whenever you might be listening to these podcasts. I feel like I'm always asking for your forgiveness as I'm I've been a little late with the last two installments of this podcast, but I took a little time and reworked my system. I changed my sound equipment around a little bit in hopes that I would be able to put out content a little easier. So uh, thank you for being patient with me yet again, and hopefully this is a uh, short-term loss, but a a long-term gain. Today we are in Romans chapter 7, so let's turn there and jump right into this. Romans chapter 7, 1 through 6 says, Or do you not know, brothers? For I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit of God. For while we were living in the flesh, Our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Every time we begin to talk about marriage, there's a little bit of tension. And part of that is because the world is a mess. Uh, Marriages don't mean what they used to, and uh, people are denying that marriage has any value or use at all in the world. And part of that is because we have made marriage, starting in the church, about our happiness, which is totally wrong. As one guy says, as soon as we made marriage about about happiness, we made grounds for divorce unhappiness. If we could be most happy with someone else, then we should move on to someone else. That's what hedonism gets us. If we pursue our own pleasure, we just destroy God's law. We leave it in the dust. We think we can do it on our own. We think we can be God. Part of this, to the tension that we feel when we start talking about marriage, is our own marriages in the church are tough. Some of them are on the rocks. And that's very difficult to face when you're a Christian and you're supposed to have things figured out. Or you, you're not a Christian, but you want to be accepted by people who are Christians. And your marriage, or non-existent marriage, looks nothing like what they want you to be. So what might be helpful here to dispel some of that tension is to look at what God intended 
and then set our standards to his. So if you would, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 28. Verse 27 and 28, actually. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So on this first note, we see that men and women together are man, are humanity, and they are created in the image of God. Both of them together make up what the glory of God looks like to creation. These two beings in one flesh make up the image of God. The reason the Old Testament people were struggling with making image every, Im- images everywhere they went was because uh, that's what the other people of the, the nations were doing. And they didn't want to be the image of God themselves. Being the image of God is showing forth the glory of God, and they couldn't do it, so they asked for help from the other gods. They didn't want to do the duty that they had been given. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and of every other living thing that moves on the earth. And he gave them the plants, verse 29, and the beasts, verse 30, everything. And when he crowned creation with this jewel, the image of God, man and woman themselves, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Creation was completed only after man and woman had been bound together as a team. And they are indeed together the image of God. And they are to show forth the glory of God. And they are to be the rulers in God's stead over creation. They're supposed to make beautiful things like children and Houses that are a place for refuge, they're supposed to expand the rule of God throughout creation. And so the purpose of marriage isn't about themselves. It's about showing forth the power of God that God wrought in them. They are the the vice regents, the apostles, if you would, to the creation to show the power of the creator in the whole world. So marriage is primarily about pointing to God and filling the earth to make other images, other beings that would point to his glory. Now, back to Romans 7. What happened in Genesis 3 is we threw away all that we were supposed to be. The man did not lead Eve well, and Eve did not hear the rules of God carefully enough to follow them well. She added to the law and heard the lie of the snake. Well, when that happens, the marriages fall apart. You can see Adam blames his wife. It was Eve that gave me the fruit. And Eve blames the snake. It's never their fault in their own minds. And that is because they weren't married to each other anymore. 
yeah, they on the outwards they might have still had the rings that God gave them, or uh, they, you know they're the only two people in the garden. Maybe at this point, uh, uh, I don't think they have procreated yet, uh, but they're not really married to each other anymore. They're married to their own desires. They wanted what they wanted when they wanted it. And so marriage isn't just the outward, let's make it through the end of this year or before they, you know, make it to the end of when the kids are in school or let's just fight through the 80 years we've got. Uh, We've already made it 40. We can make it another 20. That's not what marriage is. It's not a deed outward. When you're married, you're married to someone else. It is a heart direction toward the other person. And we can see this in Romans 7. The law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. You're married to that person for life. She's bound to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law. And what he says here is that is us and sin. We are married to our sin until one of us dies. And we could be under the thumb of God, under the wrath of God, in hell forever and ever, suffering our choice of ourselves rather than him. Or we can die the death of Christ and live through him in order that we may bear fruit for God. When we were married to sin, the only fruit that union bore was death. Death conceived death. But when we die, and are made alive in Christ, we bear fruit for God that is much better than even a holy fleshly union. Kids are wonderful, and when they're raised well, it's, it's wonderful, but, but the fruit of being in Christ is raising spiritual children that last forever. Verse 5 of Romans 7 says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So marriage isn't for us. Marriage is for the joy and the multiplication and the praise of God himself. When we're married to sin, we get unhappiness, and destruction and selfishness. In my third grade class, I had a teacher named Mrs. Fuller, and it was one of my favorite classes growing up. In this room, there were, I think, two chameleons, a lizard, and for a while, there was a boa constrictor. We had a rabbit, and uh, my favorite was, though, a, a self contained ecosystem. And this ecosystem was completely sealed off. No air could get in or out. There was no food given this ecosystem every day. Um, It was completely, what I thought, uh, self-sustainable. And uh, there was two animals in it. There was a frog and a salamander, and their names were Mr. Salamander and Mr. Frog, or Mr. Toad, maybe. I can't remember which one it was now. (laughs) But uh, Mr. Frog, one day... uh, was eating Mr. Salamander, and Mrs. Fuller ripped the top off and pulled the salamander out of the frog's mouth, and uh, that was the only time it ever happened. She actually sealed it back up, and uh, um, 
They continued to live in peace. Apparently, Mr. Frog just got a little hungry. But for years and years, she kept it closed, and I, I thought it was uh, self-sustaining. But as, as evidenced in that one instance, there has to be intervention. But looking a little closer, there was another thing that we had forgotten that we were taking care of that tank with. We weren't feeding it. The frog and the salamander could eat the moss and the, the insects that lived inside of it, and uh, the, the plants survived off of, of the droppings of the animals, and the uh, um, air was circulated between the plant life and the animal life. It was a perfect balance. But the one thing that we forgot was the sunlight. Every morning we moved it into the right amount of sunlight so it wouldn't be too hot for them. There was a thermometer inside. We could monitor it. And we would move it out of the afternoon heat and make sure it wouldn't get too hot next to the window. And that is much the same way we think of ourselves. We think of ourselves as this own perfect little ecosystem. We think in a marriage, well, it's just me and I'll be okay by myself, or our marriage will be okay just by itself. But we have need of the grace of the Son of God shining in our lives every moment. He is giving us exactly what we need in every moment. No one is an island. We cannot be sealed off from the rest of the world. Our happiness will not keep us warm. It is the joy of the Son of God that gives us life and peace and joy and purpose. So while we were married to our sin and our own ingrown selfishness, we were dying. We might not have been in the frog's mouth yet, but we weren't in the sunlight. And when that grace shone through, we had everything we needed. So Romans 7 one through six, teaches us that marriage isn't about us. It is about seeing the grace of Christ in every aspect of our lives. When we see a husband failing, we shouldn't get angry. We should remember just how wonderful it is that Christ loves him even though he's failing. And we could point him to Christ and how to lead better through that. When we see a wife failing in marriage, we could angry, get angry, but that would not be a good idea. We need to point her to how the church submits out of love for Christ. And yes, her husband isn't perfect like Christ is. But we can show each other the gospel in our marriages so that we might understand the gospel better as a church and as a community. Marriage isn't an end in itself. And yes, we will not get perfect happiness out of it. But if we see it in light of the gospel and for the purpose of preaching the gospel, we will be filled with joy and purpose in every aspect of our marriage. We had quite a heavy time today talking about marriage and the gospel, so um, I urge you to take a little time and reflect on this. Don't beat yourself up over a rough marriage, or if, you don't, if you're not married, um, just spend time thinking about how Christ has come for his pure bride, and that is you. You're part of that. Imagine how much effort he went to on the cross to save you from your sins. That's how much we should love each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for 
the people listening to this podcast, I ask that this is a grace in their lives and that they see marriage not just as uh, a means to happiness, but they see it as a picture of us being married to our sin and released from that terrible bondage of an abusive marriage to you, the pure bridegroom who binds us up and makes us pure and calls us his own and sets us aside for the day of glory. Let us rejoice in that, Lord. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your turning aside of your wrath. Amen.